but I look better. Are you excited this morning? Amen. I know I'm excited. It's wonderful to have Sister Lynette here with us. Yay. She hasn't been with us for a while. I know there's going to be a good word. Amen. And I know the Holy Spirit is already in the place. There's an anointing on this platform. And God is going to move. Amen. Amen. Welcome Sister Lynette as you come. here. 
You know, you go somewhere thinking it's going to be a certain way. And when I got there, it was not the way that I had thought it was going to be. The Lord knows what you need to experience in your life. And I believe that the Lord allowed me to see the battle and the struggle and what's going on there. And it's helped me to pray differently since I've returned from there. Um, you know, with that being said, uh, Israel needs our prayers. Jerusalem needs our prayers. The Jewish people need our prayers. That's our brothers and that's our sisters. I've got a little uh, magnet on my car right now. It is an, it's an Israeli flag and an American flag. And, and I stand with that and I thank God that he's in control Amen. and he's allowing things that we don't understand it sometimes but ultimately i declare today god is still in control Amen. so i want to say today and um it's been a while so y'all gonna give me like like three or four hours i just want to talk to y'all I, I i am so excited to be able to share the word with you this morning and i i am your fellow servant the servant of jesus and i just want to share with you what the lord has placed in my heart and burdened me with so the troubled surface of a lake will not reflect an image. I want to say that again. The troubled surface of a lake, the troubled surface of any body of water will not reflect an image. I'm around the water a lot, and I see that all the time. You and I are to reflect the image of Jesus Christ. It's a reflection of power, a reflection of glory, a reflection of goodness, a reflection of grace. Not a reflection of woe is me and trouble all the time. Yes, we are living in a troublesome time. We are about to start seeing some things. I had a vision in church a couple of weeks ago, and it, and it shook me, the things that the Lord allowed me to see. Things are not going to get any easier for us, so we're going to get stronger as we go, but we are going to face some opposition. We are going to face some things in America that we've never seen before. We need to be ready. We need to practice what we preach. We need to put into uh, work the Word of God here. Psalms 25 and 17, David said, The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring me out of my distresses. We are constantly confronted with troubles. Troubles that have an aim to mar the image of Christ in our life. John 14 and 27, I like what Jesus said. He said, Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. You need to quote that and you need to live it. Jesus gave you a command not to let your heart be troubled and don't be afraid. Amen. So Jesus, he directs the responsibility of this scripture to you and I. He didn't say um, when you're in trouble, you know, just, 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 you're going to have to slow down and talk to me. You, you know what he said? You don't let. There are things in our control today. Don't get in trouble. Don't get disturbed. Don't allow the enemy to take your victory. we got to start taking some accountability for this. Amen? Amen? Don't get disturbed, annoyed, bothered, worried, alarmed, or terrified. And then Jesus says something in the same context here. Be of good cheer. Amen. You know, we are to be happy, cheerful people. Why? Because the truth has set us free. We know that we have won. We know that we are never going to be defeated according to the Lord. Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Don't allow anything else to rule your heart but the peace and the love of God. You know, I remember recalling telling the Lord, sometimes, God, I don't understand it. It's difficult sometimes, the challenges that we face, and trying to keep an upbeat spirit, and 
I'm one of those woe is me people. I get so deep into thoughts sometimes. I, I mean, I go into other worlds, and my family's like, Lynette, where are you? Hello, talk to us. I, I really go deep into thinking about things sometimes. And I wonder, Lord, we are in all this tribulation. The world has gone crazy. We are faced with so much stress, and then you say, be of good cheer and be positive all the time. Come on, Lord, give us a break. But I like, you know, the Lord, I love what the Lord said to me during this time of talking to the Lord about this. How do we stay positive? How do we be cheerful? You know what Jesus said, be of good cheer? Because I have overcome the world. Anything that comes against you and I, Jesus has already defeated. Jesus has already defeated anything that comes against us. And that right there is something to shout about. That right there should be you're happy on. The truth sets us free. Jesus has prevailed. He's prevailed over hell. Anything evil purposed against us has lost its power. And we need to remind the enemy of that sometimes. Jesus has annihilated and put a checkmate over any attempts to weaken you and I. Amen. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The word of God brought us out of this world, and the word of God can keep you out of this world. Oh, the word of God is powerful, and it is mighty, and it keeps you. I think some of us need to confess a few things this morning. I will not be brought down by depression in this world. I will not allow worries in this world to become my worship. I want to say that again. Stop allowing your worries to become your worship. Don't focus on these things sometimes. Sometimes you just got to lay it all down at the altar and go about your day and get your happy on. Amen? Amen. There is a certainty of trouble and tribulation, but we also have the certainty of God's word that my victory lies here. Matthew 24 and 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but the Lord said, my words shall never pass away. We are in unstable and unstable times, but we have a stability every day with the word of God. And it is your responsibility to go to that word today. I'm not sure of tomorrow, but I know I am sure of God's word. You know, Pastor told me as soon as I got here that he had some fresh meat waiting for me, knowing good and well that I don't eat meat. Uh, but I thought that was funny this morning. But we are told to eat diverse fruits and vegetables in order for you and I to stay healthy and to meet our nutritional needs. Our bodies, God designed them to eat, to have nutrition. We need different vitamins. We need different minerals. Uh, and we need different fuels to be at our optimal levels, okay? Our spirit man is so neglected sometimes that you and I rarely see an optimal level in the spirit. We rarely see us living this out and at our best for Jesus because we neglect the spirit man so much. And that's something that we need to address today. Just as an apple or an almond fuels the physical body and meets that need, God's word is manna. Jesus said, I am the manna that has come down from heaven. Every word that proceeds at the mouth of God is what we need today, not just food. You know, yesterday I was so involved, pastor studying, and in the word upstairs in my room, it was 5 o'clock and I hadn't eaten anything all day. Because the word of God has sustained me. It took any bit of hunger I had away from me, and it just did something to my spirit. The Bible is like a rushing river that has medicinal powers to refresh. Amen. You know what we need every day? We need a refreshing here. We need a renewing of our mind, and the Word of God has power to do that. 
Oh, I love this today. When a man reads the word, it quickly rushes to the parched areas of our life. We don't even know what we need sometimes, but that word knows what we need. And when we begin to read the word of God, oh, we start to see things that we didn't even know. We are so unaware of our dryness and of our thirst. And as I search the scriptures, the scripture searches me and it searches you. Oh, I love it. Thank you, Jesus, for the word of God today. Hebrews 4 and 12, for the word of God. And I'm going to read a different translation here, a more simplified one. For the word of God speaks and is alive, is full of power, making it active and operative. It is energizing and the word of God is effective. It is sharper, the scripture says, than any two-edged sword penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of the soul and the immortal spirit, joints and marrows. I mean, come on, the word just tears you apart and goes into every area, exposing our very nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very purpose and the intents of our thoughts and the intents of our heart. The word searches man for that hardening in our hearts. We don't know our hearts are hardened sometime until you start to read the word of God and you are reminded to love your neighbor as yourself. When you are reminded to do good to those that do you wrong. When you are reminded to love those that hate you and that persecute you. You know, my daughter-in-law had just told me, oh, we're going to have Thanksgiving at my house and uh, we've invited like 20 people. And I'm like, what, in your little house? How are we going to do that? And I, and I said, okay, okay. And then, you know, she mentioned... A, her her brother is dating a, a, a new girl, and she mentioned her family, and I know the woman she was going to invite, and she made it very difficult for me when I first started church. Very difficult for me. Very difficult for me. So I would go home and wonder how people could sit up in the church and raise their hands, and then outside the church talk to people and treat people the way that they did. And she said, well, so-and-so uh, wanted to know if she could come. And I was like, well, how about if she comes, I can stay home. I'm just going to be honest with you. Oh, and I felt the grieving of the Holy Spirit. And I said, Father, I went and I went in my little prayer closet and said, forgive me. I wounded you, wounded myself. I know, I know your word. I know better. But sometimes it's so hard to align with that, God. I want to keep people like that. And there is a time to keep people at a distance. But she's not in church anymore. She's not serving God. And more than ever, we need to be around people like that. So I called yes. my son Matt and yes. I said, have her there and I'll be there, son. Have her yes. there. Be the light. Yes. We find with the word of God that the voice of triumph will seek out the voice of defeat. When you are down and you are downcast, when you are having the worst day of your life, get into the word and God's going to encourage you. Every day we need the voice of truth to confront the voice of lies. There are lies after you today. There are lies after our minds. There are lies after our hearts. There are lies after your destiny. There are lies after your giftings, wanting you to believe these things. Some of you right now, and the Lord spoke to me about this, you know, I don't rush messages. When I know I have to go somewhere and minister, I, I've got tons, I've got years and years of sermons that I can always use, but I don't ever do that unless the Lord tells me to. And I began to work on something, and then my son invited me to go out of state, and I didn't really want to go, but my grandbaby guilted me. He said, oh, me, me, or he calls me me. You're coming, right? And so I flew out, and I met my son, and I said, Lord, the message isn't done yet because it's not time to receive it yet. And as soon as I returned home on Friday, the Lord began to pour out, I believe, his will here for this morning. 
Some of you, the Lord said, are undergoing a severe beating. Things that we don't talk about, the Lord said, a severe pounding that is grueling. That lying voice is whispering your demise, but the spirit of truth is saying otherwise. In the book of Exodus, we find a common denominator in items or the decor that would dress the tabernacle. The things like gold, the things like oil, the scripture says the things like incense, God required that they be beaten before they were ever put into his house, into the place of worship. Before anything can be used of God, it has to go through a process of being beaten. Because when you and I go through a beating process, the best version of us comes to the surface. It is not fun. It is not comfortable. We don't like to even talk about things like this. Moses called these items a beaten work. He said, beat the gold, beat the oil, beat the incense. It is a beaten work. Thou shalt make two cherubims of gold, an, an example here, of beaten work shalt you make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. Exodus 27 and 20, thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always. You will go through your times of being beat and of being pressed and of being twisted and turned to where sometimes you stop and say, Lord, have I upset you? What have I done, God? Yes. Have I missed something here? Yes. We do that. Our flesh likes to do that. Beaten, being hammered, violently struck, discomforted, crushed, smoothed out by treading, dashed and pounded to strike. Does that sound familiar to some of you today? Sometimes it's just a mental thing where our mind is being beaten half to death. We are going back 20 years ago, things that happened and took place that began to torment us. Sometimes our physical bodies go through a beating and we deal with afflictions and we deal with sickness. Other times it's just people that you're dealing with in the flesh, you know, that want to fight. You look at, you go outside, everyone is looking for a fight. Everyone is swinging. I'm not, I'm going to turn the other cheek, but don't swing on my grandkids. Don't do that. But we are living in a time. Well, we better be wise, and we better be on top of our game, and we better be discerned in the name of Jesus. The process of beating brings out the detail. There's still some detail in y'all's lives that's not going to come to the surface unless it's beat and pushed out. The most valuable versions, that glorious shine, we will never know. That beating produces the purest of fragrances. There's something that I've watched and I've, and I've seen in the family of God. When I watch a brother or sister go through a Job-like crisis and trial, at the end of that, there's a different continence about that person. There's a different almost nature about that person. There's a humility and there's a strength that was gained through that. I've watched that and I see that quite often. And you need to remind yourself in these moments that God knows what he's doing. One man prayed this way. Some ask for rainbows in the clouds when times are difficult. But make me, God, in my cloud, a rainbow that brings a ministry of joy to others. Beating matures ministries and giftings. They bring depth to pride and gives birth to humility. Beating causes an invisible growth only seen and noticed, and those stays ahead. 
the more they afflicted the children of Israel, the Bible says the stronger that they grew. So when it's time for you and I to grow, we're going to start feeling a pinch and a pressure. In the gym world, heavy weights will cause muscles. What happens when your muscles get sore? I'm going to tell you what happens. I'm going to give you some one-on-one in weightlifting here. When your muscles are sore, it's because they have ripped. You have went somewhere and done something that your muscles are not used to, and they have been shredded, and they have been ripped. And you know what happens after that? If you eat right and you keep at it, your muscles begin to regrow, and they grow even bigger muscles, and they grow new muscles after the ripping and after the tearing and after that resistance takes place. It doesn't feel good lifting weights. It doesn't feel good working out. But when you do it, an invisible transformation is happening in the unseen. So we need to also liken that in the spirit. When you and I are being beat, when we are going through trials and tribulations and stresses and presses, as Paul says, when I wanted to die because it was so bad, he was growing and becoming stronger in the Lord. Do you know that bones strengthen under heavy resistance? You know, ladies over 40, we need to start lifting weights and do, and do resistance training. Because our bones get brittle and they get fragile. And if you start doing that now in two or three, four weeks, you start lifting weights, your bones are going to get stronger. And the next yes. time you fall, you're not going to break a bone. But it requires you to do some hard pressing things. And it is no different in our spirit. I die daily is the anthem of the redeemed. And we have to die and we have to struggle in order to live. In order to overcome in the days ahead, not only do we have to be equipped with the word of God, but you and I better have strong faith. Amen. Faith that is tried and tested. Faith that is exercised. Faith that is activated. Faith that is not afraid to be big. And a, a faith that is not afraid to be loud. I am a loud person. My faith is loud. My worship is loud. I get so happy. In the car driving home, my daughter-in-law turned around and said, can you be quiet? I'm like, I'm just, I, I was on my way. And I'm going to talk about this right now. Uh, so when we went to Kentucky, my kids were hunting. And, and so the other grandma and myself flew up to help the kids. And the one reason I really said I would go, God knows, was because right down the road was the Ark Encounter, the replica of Noah's Ark. And I've never went because it's expensive to fly there. Why are tickets so much to Kentucky? I mean, what? Kentucky. So, so I said, I'm going to go. I said, on the one stipulation that if I come, we're going to go, we're going to drive an hour and a half and go down, we're going to go see this. So this is exactly what we did. And oh, y'all, I was like, be quiet, Lynette. These are probably really, you know, this is like Baptist country. I was raised in a Baptist church. Okay, quiet old school Baptist. And I didn't want to get kicked out. So when I got there, I was like, God just gotta give me a moment. Let me look. And my grandson's going, Mimi, that's a big old boat. I said, you're right. So they kind of scooted off. And I'm going to go back with my mother because my kid, my son, and they, they ran through it. Okay, I'm going to sit there and meditate. That's why I went to Israel by myself without even a group. Because I wanted to go. If I wanted to stay in a corner and meditate and pray by myself and not be bothered all day, that's what I did. And that's what I did. So I stood there looking at this and saying, God, okay, wow. Noah was told. Yeah. to build this map, and it's massive. Yeah. Pictures don't do justice, it is massive. Yeah. You don't know what to build a boat in the bushes, God. 
There is no ocean around. Uh-huh. And we don't think about Noah. You know what? Noah was a he was a giant. Mm-hmm. Noah, I believe when someone mentioned Noah's name in that time, they're like, that's that man of God. That's that man of conviction. You, you cannot build an ark like that unless you are under such conviction, uh, so, under so much faith. And you know what? He got one warning from God in chapter 6 of Genesis that I'm about to do something. One warning, and he acted upon it. So I was trying to take this all in, and I cannot wait to go back. So what happens is, is when you go through this ark, they will show little displays of different things, a display of creation day one. And I, and I had like a proud grandma moment. And it might have been a little boastful, but I did it anyways. I said, Tyson, come here. And he's looking at uh, Genesis day one. I said, Tyson, in the beginning, he goes, God created the heavens and the earth. And everyone was looking at my grandson. He's learning. I got so excited about that. God help us today. So when I went to the ark, I knew that God was going to reveal something more to me about this message because because our steps were ordered of the Lord. And the Lord began to speak to me about faith. Hebrews 11 and 7, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen as yet, he moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is by faith or Noah passed judgment and sentence upon the world's unbelief. Noah's faith, and because he acted on the word of God, began to be a judgment against the world and its unbelief. I like this version too. By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he could not see. He acted on what he told. The result, his family was saved. If we just would simply act on the word of God. You know, the Bible says that if you believe, your house will be saved. Amen. That was said in the book of Acts. If you, if you simply believe in the word and you read it and you believe it, your family will be saved. Amen. He was warned and he did something about it and his family was saved. He acted on his faith and it drew a sharp line between evil and the unbelieving world and the righteousness of, of the believing world. Noah was not only a man of faith, but a man of action. And I want to go ahead and just remind you, in case you haven't noticed, and I'm going to read the scripture in just a moment, but we are living in times like Noah. If there is ever a time to get up into action and to get up into our faith, I believe that it's now. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Noah prioritized the coming judgment of God. There is a coming judgment upon this world that we forget about sometimes. There is a coming judgment that should get you and I working. A coming judgment that should have us operating in a godly fear, knowing that if we don't get our preach on, and if we don't start witnessing how we are called to witness every single day of our life, every day when Noah banged that hammer and was a witness to the world, judgment is coming. We've got to start telling the world Jesus is coming back, and I believe it has to be sooner rather than later. When we see what's taking place in the evil and the degree of the evil, something has to happen. God's judgment has to hit this earth soon. We've got people taking babies, sticking them in ovens, and turning it on. Man is not loving like they're supposed to love. It is a wicked and evil generation as was Noah's. So much in common. We have few details of Noah's life. It is told that probably it took 55 to 75 years to build the ark. 
and we fuss. That's about our lifespan. And we fuss because we don't see major works of God. 55 to 75 years, Noah built that ark with conviction every day of his life. He lived in a world filled with violence, but he managed to stay perfect before God. How did Noah stay perfect before God, according to Genesis 6-9? We find that his secret of being untouched and undefiled was communion and fellowship with God. It's, the Bible says that Noah walked with God. Noah every day got up, and I believe, I, you got to start, I, I got friends that are nice people, but come on, you got to start your day with Jesus. I believe Noah arose every day, God, you gave me this breath, let's talk and let's walk, and let's fellowship. I love it that Noah had a fierce faith. He had a powerful, prevailing faith. Every blow of that hammer silenced unbelief all around him. When the critics were talking to Noah, he continued to work, and he didn't listen to it. You need to learn to shut your ears off to some people. They are a diversion to you. That person over there that's nagging and driving you crazy is a diversion. That little health problem is a diversion. That problem in your marriage is a diversion. That problem at work is a diversion. Recognize it and deal with it accordingly. We are confronted this morning with a response of the heir of righteousness. This man of faith, he entertained warnings from God. He didn't entertain the critics. He entertained the warnings and the commands of God. Amen. We've got to take every bit of our strength, every ounce of who we are, and entertain the word of God. Entertain the great commission, knowing that you and I will stand before God and give an account we live in the greatest dispensation of all time. We are the bride of Christ. Amen. That comes with privilege. It comes with honor. It comes with great power and great authority. And it will come with great judgment. That's why the scripture says, I wish that not many of you were teachers. Those of us that teach and minister the word of God, we will stand before a mighty God naked with our motives and our hearts before him. What motivates you today to do what you do? Are we being selfish? Are we serving ourselves? Or are we really giving 100% to God? We've got to give all to Jesus. Yes, all yes. to Jesus. Oh, I hear the words depart. I never knew you. But we prophesied. But we did all these works in your name. It is about a relationship. How is your relationship with Jesus? It doesn't matter how close we are to one another. I love doing church. But you know what starts to happen when we start doing church more than we spend time with God? When we start fellowshipping and hanging out, we have more church functions or we have more gatherings or we're hanging out more at the movies or just fellowshipping with people more than we are fellowshipping with God, we are backsliding. And it happens to all of us. And it is dangerous. Jesus gives so many illustrations. And I'm going to try to hurry here. But I really want you to get this today. He gives us so many illustrations and warnings. Oh Noah had one warning. One warning from God. You and I have multiple warnings and many warnings. And they continue to come right now even as I speak. But as in the days of Noah, Jesus said, Matthew 24, 7 and 8, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. In the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered into the ark. Do you understand what that means? Somebody was dancing at their wedding when the deeps opened up, when the windows of heaven opened up and it swept.
gospel. It's the good news. But I also need to hear some preaching in the book of Revelation. I also need to be reminded that if I backslide, if I go and I shipwreck my faith because I'm not being attentive to my relationship with Jesus, I want to know the consequences of that. This is not a little fairy tale. This is not pretend. This is eternity. The second that someone goes into eternity, forever. It's hard to think about forever. No time. Then when someone dies, when someone dies, do we understand the finality of that? The book of Revelation drips with warnings and cautions. For the great day of his wrath, Revelation 6, 17 has come. Who will be able to stand? You know, Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, and he had this really tough discussion with the disciples. He had one of those gut-wrenching, I don't want to, God, Jesus, we have to talk about this right now? Yes. I stood on the Mount of Olives, and it's a beautiful spot. You can look down over at the Western Wall, and you can see a great view of Jerusalem. You can look down and see where Absalom's grave is, where his uh, tomb is from there. And, and you can just sit back, and you can see the vastness of Jerusalem. And Jesus stood there with his disciples. And they must have listened with their mouths and their eyes wide open. And Jesus said there's going to come a time when people are going to run up this mountain running for their life. <coughs> Wanting to hide. There's going to come a time when you see this glorious temple, there's not going to be one stone left. It was a hard saying. Jesus said there's going to be wars and famines and earthquakes and pestilence, the beginning of sorrows and increase of evil will cause the love of multitudes to grow cold. And we are slap dab in the middle of this right now of Matthew 24 of an evil generation. So much hate and so little loves. You know, Jesus nailed it when he said the evil servant says in his heart, my Lord delays his coming. He continues to eat and get drunk, unaware that he's going to be given a portion with the hypocrites, weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's going to, there are people that are going to enter in today to weeping and to gnashing of teeth. As we sit here and think about Thanksgiving and what we're going to go on, and that's all good. But what is our passion? What is our burden? What drove Jesus? What was his passion? His passion was to cross. His passion was to save. His passion was to heal. It's not time for the church to be careless or weary or faint-hearted. It's their weariness. It's their carelessness in our lives right now. The time has come to be guarded and watchful, to be so full of faith, and to be ready to depart at any moment. You know, after Jesus and the disciples partook of communion, Oh, he told Peter, he said, Peter, I, I got to tell you something. He said, Satan has desired to sift you. It wasn't a demon. It wasn't principalities. That's what we have to deal with, and it's enough. He said, Satan himself, arch enemy of God, wants to sift you. Peter was in trouble. The devil himself coming after you, you're in trouble. And Jesus was very specific about this type of attack that was going to confront Peter. 
spit you out. He knew the anointing. He knew the power of God. He might have been a show up, but you know what? He walked on water. I haven't. He has a, he had a man. Yeah, everybody talks about he sank. No, he walked on water to Jesus. The man could preach and people got saved in the hundreds and thousands. Peter. But the enemy knew that Peter was going to be an instrument in the hand of God. Now, what are you? You are an instrument in the hand of God. The enemy knows that. With full anointing, full privileges, full power, and full authority. To separate. Sifting is an act of separating and dividing. And how is that done? How, what is sifting uh, comprised of? Of shaking. It shakes something. Today, we are going through a shakening in some capacity. If I, I could sit down with every one of you and there's some area in your life that you feel a shakening. It's a sifting taking place. The enemy wants to detach you from your faith a little bit. Amen. He wants to detach you from your God-given mission Amen. and from your assignment. Have you ever felt like, I thought this was a great illustration because that's how I feel sometimes in my life. Have you ever felt like, Somebody threw you in the washing machine and turned it on and then shut the lid and you are drowned in and you're bouncing and you just want it to stop. And then when it does, then the world throws you in the dryer and you tumble in on high heat and it just does not seem to stop. That's the kind of moment that I'm talking about. I had one of these the other day. Uh, my little, my prize, but who has dogs in here? Who loves their dogs? Okay. I, I had a beautiful four-year-old little Frenchie named Winston, and he, Winston Churchill. Um, <laughs> I, this was terrible. I mean, I even asked God, like, why did you let me paint? You could have stopped me. Like, I, I was, I, I had a moment. I was painting, and I fell off the ladder, or I fell off the stool. I fell on the dog. He didn't underneath me. It broke his leg. It, it, it shattered his leg. I get... Long story short, I, I take him to the vet in Naples. There is no orthopedic surgeon for dogs. I'm like, what, you, what, do, you, what do you mean? There's no. Okay, this is like the dog capital of Florida. It's Naples, okay? The elite. And so I, so I had an appointment the next morning. They highly medicated him, take him to, to Fort Myers, to a specialty hospital. I get there, and Winston had trouble breathing a lot, and he couldn't breathe well. Long story short, that the end outcome was you have to put your dog to sleep and do it now. Oh, oh my God. And I'm like, God. And at the same time, my heart's broke. My dad is calling me, and I didn't answer it because I'm having to put on my, I got to quit crying, and I got to woman up and, and be with my dog while it dies. My dad trying to call. I just ignored him. I got in the car. They're bringing his, uh, trying not to get too many details, but they're bringing the box out, you know what I mean, to my car. Oh, with my, my God. And my mom calls, and I'm like, what? Ah, what? She's like, your dad just had a massive heart attack. Oh, and I'm like, my dad's, my dad's dying. My dog's dead. And I had to really sit there in my car and shake off and recognize this is an attack. Okay, my peace is gone. Don't let your heart be troubled. Well, that's out the window. All these things, God, that I'm preaching and teaching. And I began to see it began a few weeks of sifting. And then somebody that I was very close to turned their backs on me and made accusations and lies. And I'm like, I'm done to rapture. Where are you? Done, God. We are going to have moments where we are sifted by the enemy. Satan and his principles. Are sifters. Yes. You're
storms of life that hinder you or that shipwreck you or that stop you. Song of Solomon 2 and 15 says the little foxes are ruining the vineyards. Catch them for the grapes are in blossom. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Heavy things can make us, but little things can break you. There's little things in life. An 8 to 10 pound fox can be set loose in a vineyard and can destroy it. Something that small can destroy something massive. A simple conversation, a complaint, and a nagging, just simple words we find manage to destroy the strongest man of his time, Samson. It took one woman constantly talking, constantly nagging, Constantly, constantly, constantly. So finally we find she chewed at the roots of his holiness. She chewed at the roots of his strength. The enemy knows where to chew out of your life. We find that the enemy, Delilah, chewed at his faith until one day the vine had dried up. What's nibbling at your strength today? What's nibbling at your faith today? What and who, and I really felt a conviction, and I felt the Lord just a, just a, a witness here. What and who has access to your life? What and who has access to your thoughts? And what and who has access to your hearts? We find that Jesus took the time to get away from people sometimes. Yes. When you are running on empty, when you are stressed to the mass, when you are being squeezed and tossed and turned and twisted to where you know that you're not good, to where you're not good to yourself, you're not good to anybody else, it is time to do what Jesus did even with the disciples from after John the Baptist was, was beheaded. They were overwhelmed. He said, we have to leave the crowds for a little bit. We're not leaving ministry, but we have to go. We have to rest. we yes. got to go climb up to a mountain yes. with God, who was our only fix Amen. and our only hope in moments like yes. that. Yes. A pill not being answered. Yeah. I, I hear of more Christians being medicated. Let me just, FYI, it's going to get a lot worse. Mm-hmm. And pills won't fix it. I'm very close with someone in my family who takes a pill for everything, and I can tell you they are no different. I tell them all the time, why do you take all that? It doesn't help you. You are still depressed. You're still overwhelmed. You still have excuses in the world why everything has gone wrong. Don't take the medicine. Hallelujah. It's hard for us as Christians to cut people off sometimes. I just changed I just changed my cell phone number after like a million years. I've had, when I was pastoring, the whole county had my cell phone number. They, they still had it until a few weeks ago. You know, Bishop, I'm older now and I'm a little bit wiser. I'm not going to get entangled in drama that I don't need. I'm not going to get entangled in your problems and things that you can't deal with because it's your problems to deal with. I'm here to pray for you. I'm here to direct you to what can help. But I'm not here to fix it. Pastor, we're not here to fix it all. Now I want to say this. I heard the Lord say, you don't have to give access to everybody. 
in your life. That's right. People that are harmful, people that are tearing you down, I don't care if it's family members. I have close family members who do not have my telephone number. And I'll tell you why. Nothing is going to stop me from my mandate. I am tired of it. And I have to put a stop to it because it's my responsibility. Put a stop to it. Yes, Lord. Shut off that phone. Hit delete on the internet. Cut friendships off. Do what you have to do for the sake of your holiness and purity and for the sake of your peace. Don't give anyone that much power over you. Amen. Yeah. Uh, Carly, you want to come up and play something, Floyd? Hallelujah. Anyone you, that is judgmental Thank you, Jesus. or critical or that is a drain in your life, you don't need that in your life. Amen. I, I, I am a continual flow. I'm an outlet. I want to be a flow of the Spirit, and I, yes. and I want to pour into people as much as I can. Amen. But there comes a time when those people are sent to you from the enemy to drain you and to confuse you and to discourage you and to tell you that if you were a better Christian, you wouldn't act like that. Or if you really were a Christian, you would help. So what I what I've heard the Lord say to do, okay, so we're all going through a moment, Pastor, I believe all of us are, are being sifted and I believe that all of us are being pressed and we've got issues going on. And, but yet there's a witness in us that like, I'm going, I'm, I'm going higher. I'm going to go faster. I'm going to get louder. I'm going to be pleasing to God. In a wicked and an evil generation, I'm going to be like Noah. If Noah could do it, only eight people made it out of the world. But Noah remains spotless. Walk with God, number one. Walk with God. Walk with God. We found that Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to a mountain to pray. And as and as Jesus was praying, the Bible says that he began to be transfigured or transformed before them. And I've heard the Lord say, in these seasons of sifting and the world's going like the floodgates of hell have opened up against us, God is saying to you, in your moments of prayer, I will transform you. I will transfigure you. And, and while you're in prayer, you're going to see a greater glory. You're going to feel a greater strength. The Lord's going to show you a mirror of yourself and who you are in Christ Jesus. And I'm equipped for this tough stuff. I'm made for this moment in time right now. You are the strongest of the strong. You are the mightiest of the mightiest. Sons and daughters of God. Now, cut it all off. Give him more access. Give him more fellowship. And let the anointing run through your life like a river. Let's stand to our feet. So let's let's let this be a moment for Jesus. You know, the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let this be a moment as we enter into prayer with the Lord that Jesus will begin to transform you. 
and transform some situations, transform your thinking. Where Jesus right now, because he is the great healer, will heal your heart. That we can leave here a little bit changed, a little bit different, a little bit stronger. Father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God of David, God of Noah, Father, we stand here in the name of Jesus Christ. And we yield to you, Jesus. We yield to you, our master and our great shepherd. We yield to you. And we ask that you forgive us. That you would give us a cleansing in the word, a 